Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Monday afternoon, if there is such a thing. Bob Getty, Kelly Sander, and Dalton Stanford from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson at the First Bank Studio in Laurel. It's the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you're with us. And we have a full show today. Al Holder will be joining us for a basketball update here in just a moment. Anita Dudley is a former basketball player for Joy Lee McNellis. We're going to get her take on the season Later in the show, and we're also going to be talking to Mike Jones from J1S Sports, a sports agency business. So lots to get to. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. We're glad to have them. They cook their great meats in-house every day right here in Hattiesburg or in a community near you. And if you have a special event upcoming, you can always count on Dickie's to do the cooking. You can sit back, relax. And just enjoy the event, and uh, Kelly will hand-deliver the cream spinach to you at your house. Now, there is a charge for the meats and whatnot, but it's always free to just drive by and take a, a whiff of the of the smells coming out of... Uh, and you do, doesn't <laughs> Oh, man, is it good. <laughs> All right, Golden Eagles won a basketball game this weekend. Al Holder is going to update us on what he saw. He's seen, I think, all of the basketball games so far this year. But first, a quick... Uh, a quick note about some breaking news. Offensive coordinator Buster Faulkner leaving Southern Miss after one season, uh, going to a job in Georgia. I don't know, Luke. It seems to me just a uh, – uh, how do you put it? Just uh, another example of how the football program presently is struggling. Uh, a lot of schools are going to – are bringing in offensive coordinators or offensive coaches of group of five schools uh, or, or former head coaches and, and putting them in a quality control or offensive analyst. That's where uh, Buster Faulkner's headed to the University of Georgia to join Kirby Smart's staff. And so the Golden Eagles will be looking uh, for their third coordinator or, or they'll have a, a third offensive coordinator in, in three years. So Buster Faulkner heading to uh, the University of Georgia. You remember he was actually a Valdosta the state earlier in his career, so uh, some Georgia ties there. But uh, Eagles without an offensive coordinator today. Derek Nicholson, also the co-defensive coordinator, headed to Louisville over the weekend. So now Coach Hobson looking to fill two spots on the coaching staff. Okay, we'll talk more about that a little later in the show. Uh, Some good news, though, some positive news, as the Golden Eagles win a basketball game this weekend, a badly needed 81-68 win over at Rice University, they improved to 5-14. and 14. Rice falls to 9-10. and 10. From time to time, we go to our buddy uh, up north of us, Al Holder, who's a huge Southern Miss fan and a guy that I know has been, I think, to every home basketball game and certainly uh, is a close follower of Golden Eagle basketball. And so I ask Al to come on the show today. And Al, uh, you, you've seen the highs, you've seen the lows, you see them win Saturday. I was curious just to get your analysis, what you've seen so far this year of this basketball team. I think what we heard that click. We might I have think lost it. We may him. have lost it. You got to get him back up, Dalton. Al, Al Holder, and you're not kidding when you say Al Holder's been to every basketball game. I think his his days of going to basketball games 
date back to Jeep Clark back in the they very well <laughs> back when the he, uh, Eagles played in the sports arena. But back I want to then. tell you this about Al Holder, man. He is an example of what Southern Miss fans need to be. I mean, this man lives in Brandon, and he drives down here. He goes to the games. He turns around and drives home. When well, we have people right here in town that don't even go Kelly. Right, right. And, and you know, back while we get Al back on the line, you know, these quality control positions that Luke is talking about, Larry Fedora, the former Southern Miss coach, took a similar position at the University of Texas last year. But that's God's way of kind of telling you you got too much money in your athletic department when you can hire caliber right. people to right. not even coach, to just kind of analyze things. Or when they know? leave your program as a coordinator to take a job like that. Which they're being, being paid more money. Right, to do that. All right, I think we found Al. Al, we were talking about uh, your loyalty to the basketball program, all the games that you've seen this year. A badly needed win for Southern Miss, and we were curious to get your take on what you've seen so far uh, with this basketball program under Jay Ladner. Well, the uh, the last you know, the Rice game, I don't know whether to attribute that to Rice not being very good or the following. 24 assists and nine turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's how you win uh, basketball games. And so, uh, uh, you know, there's a couple of kids on this team that I just really like. Uh, uh, Tyler Stevenson. And I really liked Jay Malone the other day. I don't know what happened to him, but it was like he just came alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it was a, it was an interesting game. And, uh, I thought that they played as a team like they had just hadn't done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, uh, it was uh, so. I hope they keep it up because they played defense for forty minutes too. I mean, every, everything they did was right, and uh, so we'll see what happens. They got to go over to UAB Thursday and. We'll see if it, it, right, it flows we'll, over to that game. Well, compare that game to the one you just saw previous to that game when they lost. What was the difference, Al? What What was the oh, difference it, in winning and losing there? Yeah, you, well, you just had five individuals on the court before, and uh, the other day you had a team. Mm-hmm. The big difference makes a makes a big difference. And and there was a lot of dynamics that people might not have known about going into that game Saturday. And lots of times you hear about guys quote unquote stepping up. Well, you had you had a, a rash of the flu bug going on around the Southern Miss basketball team, including Jay Ladner. I think Coach Ladner did not get to coach that game um, because he was out. with. Maybe the next game, the first 500 fans could get a free flu shot. You know, maybe (laughs) as a a way of going to the game. But that that was a case where guys, you know, when they have something to rally around, it shouldn't necessarily be that way. But, you know, Coach Kyle Rohn probably – yeah, might have said, look, you guys – we don't we don't have we don't have some of our starters here and we're gonna to have to step up to make plays and they did, you know, under adverse circumstances. You agree with that assessment, Al? Uh that's uh you know, that's pretty much it. It's uh this this is a real young team. Uh the, the other day they were just a lot of times they were just freshmen and sophomores on the on the uh on the court. Mm-hmm. And uh the only senior that we've got that, that that comes out and is consistently okay and good is uh uh, uh, Harper Baker, mm-hmm. and so uh, it, it's uh, uh, it's just gonna, it's going to be interesting. He still needs a couple of years to recruit, but uh, and I don't know if you can you know I heard you guys talk about football a minute ago, and I know that's not on the horizon here, but we got two players on this team, Drain and Watson. They both look like halfbacks to me, 
they just look like running backs. They're terrific looking athletes. All right. Well, five and fourteen now, and you've watched almost every game. I know. What's What's the upside for this basketball team the rest of the year? Well, I think they'll continue to get better. I think that's uh, anytime you've got a young team, that's just naturally going to be, you know, with good coaching. And I think we have good coaching. I watched Weatherspoon the other day, coach. Uh, uh, he was really involved in that basketball game, and uh, he's got a lot of experience. Uh, Clarence does, and and uh, so I, I think I think you'll see as as the team moves along uh, that you'll just see them getting better and better and better and playing well, uh, playing better together. And uh, uh, the other thing is, uh, and my goal the entire year was to make the tournament. If they make the tournament at the end of the year, I think they've had a decent year, and it gives them an opportunity to go play again, uh, more games in the tournament. And, uh, you know, who knows what can happen. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to win it or anything, but uh, it, it, if they continue to get better, you just never know. You know, That Stevenson kid brings so much energy to the floor. He's he's just a real find. I, I, he's a walk on, and uh, I th- Jay said I think the first thing he said was uh, that he went straight to him and gave him a scholarship right off the bat because he just didn't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'll, I'll, some some people are making comparisons, and I'm going to go straight to you because you've seen both of these teams. How would you compare this club to the Southern Miss uh, team of 1937? 1937. I remember it well. I know. I know. That's why you're kind of joking with with you about it. But it can't be understated to the confidence level now that these guys, they didn't even have a full full squad, you know, but they but they won a ball game. So that that's got to just be a real real good kick in the pants for them. Yeah, I think Watson and uh, Kanansa were both uh, suffering pretty good from the flu there, and they both played. uh, well, Kansas played 15 minutes and Watson played 35 minutes. Hmm. How about the crowd, Al? It was a good crowd. Really. Uh, it's uh, it's better than I have expected this year. Yeah. Uh, it uh, uh, so whoever is rousting them up, and getting them there is is doing a good job. It's it's certain it's not full, it's not half full, but it's 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 uh, lively and uh, it is. The crowds have been better than I expected. So I'm encouraged by that uh, effect alone because if they start winning, then it'll, it'll begin to pick up. It just, it, it's a natural phenomenon. Everybody knows that. Winning produces good crowds, and you know, good crowds help win. Well, first of all, we appreciate your loyal support of the basketball program, and we thank you for your willingness to uh, come on the show and, and share your observations with us. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks, Bob. Al Holder, everybody, up in Brandon, Mississippi, a super basketball fan. It got really, I think, Kelly, great observation of of the development of the program. And any robbers that might be listening, you know that Al's going to be gone when Southern Miss is playing at home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Eagle Hour continues. Get Luke involved in the conversation. More on the loss of the offensive coordinator when we come back. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. I want to thank Al Holder for uh, updating us on basketball. Great observer of the basketball program and a loyal, loyal fan. Uh, we appreciate him very much. Anita Dudley is sick. Oh, we just talked to her on the phone. She's uh, probably got this flu that everybody else yes. has. Speaking and, uh, of flu shots, yeah. Yeah, she was a trooper and going to come on, but obviously obviously uh, not feeling up to it right now. And so we're going to reschedule Anita a little later uh, in the week. We'll be talking to Mike Jones later in the show as well. Uh, Lady Eagles did fall to Rice this weekend, 75-64, but remain 11-5, 3-2 in the conference. The Owls Owls are 11-6, and and, and they're the perennial power in women's basketball, Kelly, in Conference USA. Yeah, La Tech used to be, but that power has has kind of uh, shifted to Rice. But but still, you know, you salute – Joy Lee McNellis and her staff, because they were supposed to, I think the preseason polls had them finishing sixth to eighth, depending on which one, which is somewhere right in the middle, but they're, they're up there at the top of the pack right now. So they're either overplaying or uh, people underestimated this club. So uh, note to our booker, let's get Joy Lee on the show this week and talk a little bit about the basketball program. They return uh, to Hattiesburg on January 23rd at 6 p.m. All right, let's go back to the lead story. Luke Johnson, uh, Buster Faulkner leaves, third OC in three years. Lots of questions to ask about that. I, You know, to begin with, I just think it says so much when you could lose an offensive coordinator to become a, what was? An analyst. An, an offensive. analyst for another program. Uh, first, your thoughts about that. That, that just seems to me to uh, – to just be an ominous uh, sign about the football program. Well, before before we we go there, you, you look at where he's going. He was actually Buster was a graduate assistant for the University of Georgia in 2006. He played his college football at Valdosta State, so he's got Georgia roots. Um, this move by Kirby Smart, um, Kirby Smart may this coming year may have as many as five former offensive coordinators on his staff. Matt Luke is um, the offensive line coach. James Coley's there. Sean Watson's there. Of course, the new offensive coordinator is Todd Munkin, and then he brings in Buster Faulkner. So um, Georgia may open it up a little bit, and I think that's what that's what Smart's trying to do. So if you, but here's the landscape of college football, and it's not just for for Southern Miss at all. Right now, um, you can make more as a analyst or as just a regular assistant coach in the Power Five than you can as a coordinator or even as a head coach in a Group of Five school. I mean, that's just the landscape of where college football is. So, if you are, and, and, and again, we're loyal to to our program. So many uh, different people scattered throughout the country are loyal to their university. But, um, you know, when you're looking at a guy and he has an opportunity to go to a Power 5 school and they're going to compete for a national championship and he's going home and uh, he's going to make more money, um, and not, I'm not saying that it's a lesser job, but there's less responsibility. I mean, what part of that does not say, yeah, that, that might be a, a, a pretty good move well, for my career and, and my family? I'm not, so that's, I'm not saying that, and I, I'm, not, I'm not in any way questioning him. I'm saying that speaks to the status of the football program at Southern Miss and schools its size, that the, the, the college football, as I knew it, and I think as Kelly knew it, it's dead and gone. I mean, it is the Power Five, and it is the rest of the schools. And until some division occurs between those two, Kelly Sander, this gap is only going to get worse. So the key word there is power. 
I mean, that's all you have uh, to say is that there's there's five conferences that have all the money and, and all the power. Yeah. And, and have all the power. And then but I want to I want to defend uh, Jay Hobson. Well, not necessarily that he needs defending, but just going forward. All right. Because you get some you get some negative Nellies out there that, oh, let's change this and let's change that. One of the pieces of the puzzle that you're going to have to take into account when anybody is judged is the cards they were dealt. OK. And at no fault of the head coach. You know, his, like you said, third different offensive coordinator now in three years. These are tough cards to play. It's really tough to come up with a winning hand when you're being dealt these type of cards. Now, remember, Faulkner and Nicholson leaving. Who's to say that some other assistant coaches may not leave now? You know, in the future, there's nothing necessarily holding them there. So Coach Hobson has to go out and then, you know, replace these guys, another offensive coordinator perhaps with a different kind of system. You thought you had your players coming in next year where you wanted them, but, you know, how much is the system going to play into how effective they'll be? So there's just a lot of things that Coach Hobson now has got to deal with that under Mm -hmm. other circumstances he wouldn't have. So when he's judged one way or the other at the end of every year, that is a part of the puzzle that has to be taken into account. How tough is this on the kids, Luke? Three OCs in three years. Well, it's tough on Jack Abraham. So um, if – if what I think should happen, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think Scotty Walden should be immediately promoted to offensive coordinator, take a co off his name, let him be that. That is the best case scenario simply because the system doesn't change. It might be nuanced a little bit. Um, but Jack Abraham, if, if Walden's your OC, then really nothing has changed for the most part. Relationships, which are the most important thing in the world, are maintained. Um, the, the biggest question for me is not just the guys inside the locker room, but of this recruiting class we had. Um, did Faulkner recruit any of these guys? You know, I mean, uh, what's his relationship with guys like Frank Gore Jr. or Antonio Robinson or Brownlee? You know, what, what's his role in there? Um, when, when a coach leaves, uh, there's a lot of relationships, you know, that are built during recruiting. Is that going to impact recruiting at all? But to go back to what Kelly said, I think it's important for us to salute Jay Hobson also because he is making as a head coach less than the previous two head coaches at Southern Miss, or that you could even say the previous three. We don't like to mention Elos very much, but the previous three head coaches. And part of that reason is um, when you take less pay as a head coach, you increase your, your assistant salary pool. So by Jay Hobson getting paid less, he's able to bring in more quality coaches and pay them more. So Kelly's right. It, it's just the landscape and the cards that you're dealt with for sure. I just, you know, guys, I just think that, uh, that money – Money has just forever changed college football, in, in, in my view, not not for the best. I just I don't know what it's going to take for the powers to be to separate the non-five from the power five, establish a championship program for schools outside of the power five who have absolutely no chance now, none to compete on any kind of consistent basis with schools that have so much money they can hire your coordinators away for what, Kelly, what's the title? Analyst. To be an analyst. Does that not just illustrate the divide? It does, and it's and it's it's going the trickle down effect that's happening. I don't know if you saw this weekend, but it was released that uh, that bold bold television ratings and bold ticket sales down down down. Each of the past four years, Too now, many. TV ratings are are down, uh, and and it you know and it's not just Conference USA. You can look at um, you know the WAC, you can look at the, the MAC, all these other schools. You'll see them up there on a Thursday night, and you'll see a handful of people in the stands, right, which, and it's. It's only getting worse. That was in most college football games. Right. 
So, so there's something, there's a dynamic going on too with this younger generation that they're just not doing football and they're just not doing sports uh, and are not involved like, uh, like they were when you and I were growing up. And if they are involved, they're shifting to other sports. So you're seeing soccer now at the youth level take over football. I mean, very few kids are even playing flag football anymore. They're all doing the soccer thing. Mm. So we're seeing a shift in, in the community a lot of different ways. Are you for a division of the uh, college uh, conferences, Luke? Uh, Power Five and a and a non-Power Five that has its own championship format. I'm not for it. I've never been for it. I'm just stubborn. Uh, that's just I'll, I'll just admit it. I'm I'm just stubborn. I, I just yeah. I, I don't want it. I'm I, I understand how we could be benefited a little better. It just as a former college football player, it just really ticks me off uh, to to think that you would be relegated. You know that's just part of it, and and I understand everything that's going on. Um, the, yeah, but the number to me, and I may have, uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but don't you want a fair fight, Luke? I mean, you don't. Nobody minds fighting, but but you want it to be a fair fight. You know, as far it, as it's a yeah, and and I'm I'm with. I was about actually, you know, to, to to prove my stubbornness when I know these things. The number that popped out to me when Mike Leach got hired, the the. Assistant pool salary was increased um, to somewhere in the four million neighborhood. The increase between what Joe Moorhead had to hire his assistants and what Mike Leach now has to hire his assistants, the simple increase was more than what the complete assistant pool uh, <laughs> is go. to pay coaches at Southern Miss. So, yeah, I mean, that just proves why I wow. need to be for one. Right. But uh, for, for me, I, I just I can't go there yet. I'm just I'm hung up on it. I still remember how things were. And not now I'm not talking about the 80s or the 70s. I'm talking about 15 years ago. I will probably cross over into that sometime, but not today. I guess that's why I love the NFL so much. There are no illusions. It's all about money. It's all about get on the field. You got to win it on the field, and we're all playing for money and that championship ring. And we all start literally with an even keel. I think that's why that game has become so more attractive to make Kelly Sander than college football. I think so too, and I I am for the separation of the Power Five to the because it's not fair to your athletes either. If you're going into it, you know, if, if the other team's got Sherman tanks and you've got spears and trash can lids, you're not going to last very long. No, you're not. All right. We'll uh, talk more about sports with Mike Jones from J1S Sports right after this. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you're with us. Broadcasting from both of our First Bank studios this afternoon in Laurel and Hattiesburg, around the state of Mississippi on the Super Talk Radio Network and online, uh, streaming live all over the world. Isn't that right, Esquire? Well, that's right. They can go to uh, Super Talk Hattiesburg or supertalklaurel.com and 
tune in anytime we are live here from any of our local shows, including the Eagle Hour. And then afterwards, you can find us uh, about 30 minutes after the broadcast. You can find us on your favorite uh, podcast platform, be it SoundCloud or Spotify or iTunes or Google Play. There we go. All right. This segment is sponsored by Four Street Bar and Grill. Great place to have lunch. How long? How much, Kelly? Eight ninety five still. Eight ninety five. And the favorite place to pregame for Eagle fans before basketball or baseball games now coming up. And we're going to have a remote there very soon, just prior to baseball season. They're looking forward to that. Always enjoy that. Great meals down there. Friday, best catfish you'll ever eat. Four Street Bar and Grill. In the shadow of the rock, and we're glad to have them on the Eagle Hour. Our next guest, timing could not be better. Uh, Our next guest, Mike Jones, was the director of recruiting for Southern Miss football for both Todd Munkin and Jay Hobson. And now it's with J1S Sports uh, in Dallas, I believe, as professional sports agent. And, Mike, we were having a discussion earlier in the show. We thank you for coming on the Eagle Hour that – that we now see it. We're now, we're now to a level where we see schools like Southern Miss losing their offensive coordinators to Power Five schools to be quality control analysts, and you can now not even be a coach apparently at a Power Five school and make more money than you can as an offensive coordinator at a school outside of the glorified Power Five. You must have a unique perspective of that being uh, a former director of recruiting and now involved in, in professional sports agency. And we're, we're discussing this, Mike. Where do the smaller schools go from here? How, how do they ever begin to get on a level playing field with the Power Five schools? Yeah, I mean, first off, I mean, I appreciate you bringing me on. And what a um, interesting topic to look at in the landscape as it completely changes um, year over year. Um, it, it boils down to just the, the supply and demand of any market. And in the industry, um, the TV rights and the TV deals is driving that gap between Power 5 and Group of 5. It's a very difficult thing to make up if you're an athletic director, if you're a head coach, and you're fighting to keep uh, the talent in your walls at this moment in any aspect of, uh, you know, they're going to the Power 5, you're looking at $100,000, $200,000 deals to be an analyst. That's a difficult thing to fight at the group of five level. To me, if you're an AD currently in the group of five, what you have to do is you have to hire young talent that is going to be at your school for three to four years and then let them go to a power five program. You've seen programs do that with success at Memphis, Boise, um, schools that are saying, I'm going to go after an OC, give them a head coaching opportunity, let it be successful for three years, and then know, yes, we are a stepping stone to a bigger job, understand what you are and take it for what you have that's so interesting to me because i was one of these southern miss guys for a long time that just fought that tooth and nail i just didn't like the idea of what you just said but you know what i've come around i've observed what's happened here over the last five or six or seven years and i think you're right on the money i think that is the only the only real answer if you want to be competitive and relevant your thoughts about dividing the two and having separate championships for the two divisions? I think it's tough, right? I think it's tough on every aspect of it. If you're a coach, um, no matter what, if, if, uh, if Southern Miss, and, and I love Southern Miss, I always have a special place in my heart. If Southern Miss went undefeated next season, um, and even with their non-conference schedule, which I believe they have a couple SEC games in that, um, they would not probably crack a top 10 finish in the polls. And that's just the real answer to how it's looked at at the, uh, you know, the committee level. So for me, you really have to understand what are we really going after? What's a, what's a championship for the group of five? 
And to me, it's really difficult to say our championship is a cotton bowl, right? Like, it's, it's demoralizing for a group of five to feel like their championship is the, the bottom-level bowl game for a Power 5 school. Mm-hmm. Luke? Mike, thanks for being on today. We've seen uh, a few uh, Golden Eagles come out early over the years. Quez Watkins doing it this year. Help our listeners, you know, just understand specifically the difference between when a senior, you know, uh, applies for the draft and, and when an underclassman comes out and, and kind of the implications that flow in there. Yeah, definitely. And, and I know Quez um, recruited him. Keep me honest here, I think he came out of Athens High. Um, and he is a great kid, great family. Um, the, the big difference there is um, – is what the kid is being told and what the coaches are hearing from, from the scouts that are coming in, right? And what you have to hope for, and I obviously have not been a part of those conversations, is they're getting good, honest feedback from the NFL so that the kid can make an educated decision. You see it time after time that kids make a decision to go. They've been told they're going to go this round or at this point. They're making a decision based on the finances of that. And then it turns out that they go free agent late free agent rounds, and that's just unfortunate for everyone in, in that situation. The coach that's at that school that lost a talented kid, he may not have been ready. Um, so you just have to hope that everybody is giving honest advice and feedback on where that kid will go. It, it is so difficult, and uh, this is a different sport, but baseball, we see, you know, the, the younger you are and, and uh, man, the, the more they want you, and it's such a delicate uh, balance um, um, for sure. Um, man, you, uh, I was checking out your webpage um, and, and your sports company page. Man, it, it, you got some big clients on there. What's it been like uh, to represent Kyler Murray? It's good. I mean, Kyler is a is a big name for us. We're we're a little bit unique. Um, our our product offering is a little bit different than your average sports agent is. Um, we do not handle any contractual obligations for that that individual. So that's being done by a contract agent. CAA Octagon is one of those. Um, we're focused on being the agency of record for uh, their off the field endorsement deals and their off the field businesses. So we're a creative agency focused in offering services to expand their business development or sides like that. Kyler is an example of a kid that has a lot of passions off the field as much as he does on the field, um, and he's come in, and we're using you know our resources to help amplify what he's trying to do. But I'm sure part, I'm sure you guys have some input along the other lines too. And to the lay person at home, what a lot of people might have problems with is they go, "This guy turned down." Let's just use a baseball player. He turned down 138 million, and somebody else gave him 142. I mean, this is ridiculous. How does the layperson understand? Does the best contract always come down to who offers the most money? Not necessarily. I think one thing that's tricky that um, is not seen on the public side is there's a lot of different uh, things that are built into contracts that aren't public. The benefit of college athletics is that almost everything is public. So you guys can analyze the contract to a tenth degree. These professionals are not that way. You're seeing the big number, 142 mil on four-year, five-year deal, and that's all you're seeing is the headline. You don't necessarily know that in there it says that he gets this health options and he gets this options. And There's a lot of different nitty-gritty built into contracts. Unfortunately, a lot of times you only see the headline and you know you don't have to be able to see all the details and built into that actual contract. When you talk about endorsements, though, how much does a player's off-the-field activity weigh on his endorsement deals? Oh, substantially. I think you just saw it with LeBron James. There's 
a decision for him to go to L.A., obviously there's a lot of that goes into that. You're moving to a, a big market. It's a big contract. But in the NBA, they can offer big contracts at any of those levels, right? Um, obviously, the Lakers had the capability and free space to bring on LeBron, but he also has three production agencies out there in L.A. There's definitely an advantage for him from his off-the-court abilities when he puts himself in a market like L.A. So it plays a major factor in it. Well, people like that, though, how much, how much time do they take away from the concentration of their sport? Because they're worried about these endorsements, they're worried about all these agencies. Does that distract from the, from the work ethic that you see some of these athletes apply toward the sport they're being paid to play? I think, I think you can argue it both ways. You know, it depends on the, the people that they put around them. Um, obviously, I think everybody has ever heard of a side hustle. And that's a very common thing, right? We have our, all of our eight to fives, and we try to do something after that. That could be a hobby. That could be another job. That could be a lot of things. That goes the same with these players, and we shouldn't say that they cannot do that. Um, but we, they should people, put people around them like ourselves or other um, financial analysts to help them make sure that they're not spending an absorbent amount of time doing that. Um, and they're really devoting their time to what they're skilled at, which is playing. Right. And and Luke mentioned to you, Quez Watkins. Now, I uh, just use this kid as an example. Uh, and Luke and I were talking uh, during the break, Mike. You, you watch these receivers that were playing in the championship games yesterday. These are grown men. I mean, these, these guys are studs. Uh, a kid like Quez Watkins, what, what are the odds? I mean, what, what are the odds of, of a kid like that leaving a, a program like Southern Miss and a year later playing for an NFL football team? You know, I, I don't know because I'm not obviously as inter, you know, on the, what the scouts are saying about him. Um, let's also keep in mind that a lot of those guys that are playing right there, um, they're three, four-year guys in the league. And, you know, there's a huge gap, right? When a kid comes from high school and goes to college, there's a speed difference, there's a size difference, the same thing with the NFL. So we got to give the kid a chance to get into an NFL program and get built by an NFL program. I think Quez can be fine. Can you hang on, Mike? Uh, we were a little late getting you on the show, and it's an interesting conversation. We have another, uh, we'll have a break, and then another short segment. We'd love to continue with you if you're available. Yeah, definitely. All right, Mike Jones with J1S Sports is with us on the Eagle Hour. We'll continue our conversation with Mike right after this. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Monday, fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located online, toyotahattiesburg.com, or you can go see them at Highway on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Southern Miss track and field continued to win this past weekend at the Samford Invite over in Birmingham. Sandra Spott won the 3,000. Ashley Osaji won the long jump. Camelia Style uh, won the weight throw on the men's side. Eric Richards won first place in the high jump. Patton Little won the mile. And the 4x100 relay of Casey Spinks, Trey Johnson, Landon Ch- Chalden, and DJ Butler uh, took first place. So five individual first place 
finishes and one uh, relay first place finish for uh, Coach John Stewart's track team. A great performance by them. They'll hit the road again uh, next weekend as they head out to Houston for the Houston G5. Bob, Luke, and Kelly from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Bob and Kelly continuing with Mike Jones. Kelly, I know you were uh, in, in a, uh, having a really good conversation, some good insight from Mike uh, during the commercial break. Before we get started, let's thank Hattiesburg Toyota for sponsoring the yep. fourth segment of the show. Great cars, huge dealership, plenty of after-the-sale service. What's that phone number, Kelly? You know it. Five four four nine six three zero. as a matter there of fact. Yeah, that's the proof of advertising and how it works. Hattiesburg Toyota, and we thank them for their support of the show. Okay, we'll continue our conversation uh, with Mike. Mike, I, I got this question, then I think Kelly has one for you. And my question is, what – what makes a uh, an athlete or former athlete so attractive to endorsements? I guess no one's ever been more successful than Peyton Manning. And even if you weren't a fan of his when he played, you, you can't help almost to become a fan of him now. And then you take a guy like a Tom Brady, who arguably is maybe the best quarterback that's ever played, and he doesn't seem to have nearly the endorsements that a Peyton Manning has. What what What's the difference there? Yeah, I mean, there could be a lot of factors. Um, one just could be Tom Brady's willingness to do endorsement deals. You know, Some athletes just don't feel like that's where they want to spend their time. Some athletes are more open to it. Um, Peyton is an example of an athlete that has a face for television and a, and a, and a voice for radio. I mean, he can do it all. So I think for, for somebody like Peyton, he has the personality and the, and the ability to break out of his market and – a lot of athletes, that's what it has to be. Can you break out of your market and show a company that you can be a personality for their brand in a nationwide type way? If you look mm-hmm. like Patrick Mahomes, who is just blown up this year, I mean, he's on every commercial that you could possibly see. Um, he is somebody that has the personality, the swagger, the look, everything, not just market in Kansas City. But somebody in Texas recognizes mm-hmm. him and builds an affinity to that brand. Well, and I don't know that there's ever been a better one than Peyton Manning. Am I wrong? Am I wrong there? No, I mean some of his ESPN commercials were amazing. Yeah. Would you rather have the marketable guy, or in in what order? Would you rather have the marketable All American type guy whose talent is lesser, or would you rather have the guy whose talent is exceptional in his off the field stuff? Eh, not so much. I mean, I, I don't think I could not say I would I'd take Tom Brady any day of the week. I'll take a $120 million contract percentage over uh, a TV commercial. Okay, now I want the, the Netflix uh, series on Aaron Hernandez, the tragic story of the former New England uh, Patriots tight end who was found guilty of murder and then wound up uh, hanging himself uh, because of some things that happened uh, off, off of the field. Uh, it, was, it was mentioned in that documentary, and I recommend it to anybody on Netflix. It's uh, four one-hour segments. Uh, that, that he was found to have significant brain deterioration because of CTE. And it, that's arguable as to whether that actually caused some of that behavior. But when you see some, somebody like Antonio Brown now, who nobody, nobody says that the guy is not immensely talented, but it just seems to me that emotionally, whatever, he's really struggling. Um, what about activities like an Antonio Brown off the field, whether they can help it or not, Mike Jones? Um, that just has to be a tough call for you guys trying to get contracts for guys who may be struggling off the field, and it might not even be their own fault. Yeah, it's a definitely a difficult situation for the sport as a whole. It's something that I think has come onto the scene in the last seven to five years. And um, as much as technology has advanced with the equipment usage that we've been currently 
built. I think it's still something that we're seeing deal with every day. Um, it's sad. It, there's no way else to put it, but it's unfortunate for every athlete that is going through that. And for me, I think it's, you start to have to have a real conversation with these athletes today, and that's the conversation we're having with them is, um, hey, guys, 15 years in the league is just not what it's about anymore. Let's get you through your rookie contract in four years. Let's look at the extension. Let's test it out after that fifth, sixth, seventh year. And then let's look at retirement plans. And when you look at a kid retiring at 30, you have to understand, okay, we have to have some sort of business, some sort of revenue streams built because you have 50 more years of life that you have to get through. And the money that you make in those first seven years, while it may make you there, it's just not going to keep you busy the entire time. So that's where we start to really get attracted for these you know, athletes that are making these decisions right now and saying, yeah, I think he's right. I don't know if I can make it 12 years and live a healthy life for the rest of my life. And see, you look at the, the world was really put on its ear this past week when Luke Keekley, the outstanding linebacker for the right. Carolina Panthers, I think announced his retirement at 29. Yeah, you're so right, Mike. Uh, you're retiring at age 29 and 30 is a totally different, a totally different perspective than what the average guy uh, is faced with. Hey, great conversation. We'd like to get you back on soon. Is that good? Yeah, anytime. You okay, just have my number. Reach out. Great conversation, man. We thank you very, very much. Former recruiting yeah, coordinator so for for Todd Munkin and uh, Jay Hobson. All right, that wraps it up. We'll uh, be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We'll continue our conversation about these topics and others. Got a great show coming up Wednesday. We'll tell you a little bit more about that tomorrow. Until then, everybody, Southern Miss. To to the the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.